Welcome to Step Up to the Microphone. It's a great day to be alive. Well, hopefully you all have had a great day, a great week. We're going to wrap up the week with our weekly Keep It Simple episode. We're doing Nehemiah chapter 9 this week. We've been in Nehemiah the past several weeks. Let's do a little recap before we get into this. We see Nehemiah the cupbearer for the king be granted the authority to go back to Judea, to Jerusalem, and rebuild the wall. He had to fight all sorts of enemies and obstacles to get this done, but he got it done. He had to become creative and find a way to protect the people while rebuilding the wall. He had to make sure they were taken care of and fed so they could rebuild the wall so he would not take the rations that were given for the governor. He did as any great leader would do and just took care of the people. So. In chapter 8, we see that they read from the Torah for half a day, and they were greatly distressed. They were told not to be distressed, but to have great joy. And they committed to doing the Feast of Tabernacles, as described in the Law of Moses. So we see things are starting to look up for the Israelites here when we get into chapter 9. So let's keep it simple and just read the Bible. So we're using the Blue Letter Bible app again. I'm using their website, the ESV version for Nehemiah chapter 9. And here we go. Now on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. So sackcloth and ashes or earth on their heads means they were in great mourning, they were distressed, they were upset. And the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. So, this is confession time. Time for some repentance. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord for a quarter of the day. For another quarter of it, they made confession and worshipped the Lord their God. So they had good old church service with Bible reading. That's how you read that right there. Maybe that's what we need to be doing in our churches now is reading the Bible instead of having a preacher up there have the preacher read the Bible because the Levites did this on the stairs of the Levites stood Jeshua, Bani, Kadmiel, Shebaniah, Buni, Sherebiah, Bani, and Chinani and they cried out with a loud voice to the Lord their God then the Levites Jeshua, Kadmiel, Bani, Hashabaniah Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pethetiah said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. So, they blessed God, which is very important. We should be doing that every day. You are the Lord that chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. So they recognized Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made with him the covenant to give to his offspring the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite, and the Girgashite. You have kept your promise for you are righteous. So they recognized the righteousness of God, something their ancestors had not done. Their ancestors liked to spit in God's face. Just remember what we've learned if you read the Bible, you'll, you'd see it. In Kings and Chronicles, over and over again, Israel and Judea, or Judah, 
would spit in their face, God's face, over and over and over again. You found his heart faithful before you and made with him the covenant to give to his offspring the land of the Canaanite, Hittite, Amorite, Perizzite, Jebusite, and Girgashite. You have kept your promise for you are righteous. And you saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry at the Red Sea. So they noticed and gave God the glory for the Red Sea and performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants and all the people of his land. For you knew that they acted arrogantly against our fathers and you made a name for yourselves as it is to this day. So yes, in Egypt, you'll see architecture with YHVH would be the translation, which would be Yahweh on it. So yes, in Egypt, they recognized Israel's God, and they were terrified of him. And you divided the sea before them, so they went through the midst of, of the sea on dry land, and you cast their pursuers into the depths as a stone into mighty waters. Now this is interesting because they have found chariot wheels in the Red Sea, or the Yom Suf, here in the past few years, to prove this. By a pillar of cloud you led them in the day, and by a pillar of fire in the night to light them for them the way in which they should go. Isn't that amazing? Think about the reference in the dark there. A pillar of light to show them the way they should go. It's metaphorical right there. He was giving them the light in the darkness. You came down on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them the right rules and true laws, good statutes and commandments. So they referenced all the rules and laws and commandments. They understood it. They saw where they went wrong in the past. And you made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them the commandments and statutes and a law by Moses your servant. So, the Sabbath, which is very important. We need to be reverent to the Sabbath. We need to participate in it. Take a day of rest. If you read the Bible, Adam rested before he worked. So, take that into account too. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought water for them out of the rock for their thirst. You told them to go in to possess the land that you had sworn to give them. But they and our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffened their neck and did not obey your commandments. Wow, this sounds a lot like America right now, doesn't it? Like the United States. We've stiffened our neck and started worshiping false gods. And we didn't do the things that we were told to do. Does that sound familiar? They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. But they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. That's a huge one right there. They were ready to go back to Egypt in Exodus, remember? Just remember that. They had the golden calf and everything, and they were ready to go back. But God was merciful and didn't wipe them off the face of the planet like he probably should have. He showed the love of a father, something that 
we don't see very often these days. Even when they had made for themselves a golden calf and said, This is your God who brought you up out of Egypt and had committed great blasphemies. You and your great mercies did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart from them by day, nor the pillar of fire by night, to light for them the way by which they should go. So, even through all the struggle that they were going through, not recognizing him as the sovereign, monotheistic God, the creator of the universe, he still gave them the path to go. The path was still there. You gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. So they never lacked food or water. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. You gave them kingdoms and peoples and allotted to them every corner. So they took possession of the land of Sihon, king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan. You multiplied their children as the stars of heaven, and you brought them into the land that you had told their fathers to enter and possess. So, the covenant with Abraham being fulfilled. So the descendants went in and possessed the land, and you subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their hand with their kings and the peoples of the land, that they might do with them as they would. And they captured fortified cities and a rich land, and took possession of houses full of all good things, cisterns already honed, vineyards, olive orchards, and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. So things got good for them. And you'll see the pattern right here. Same pattern from Judges. Well, it's basically repeating judges, but in a condensed form. Whole things get good and we turn away from God and worship false idols. Nevertheless, they were disobedient, rebelled against you, and cast your law behind their back and killed your prophets. Who warned them in order to turn them back to you, and they committed great blasphemies. Therefore, you gave them into the hand of their enemies, who made them suffer. And in the time of their suffering, they cried out to you, and you heard from heaven, and according to your great mercies, you gave them saviors who saved them from the land of their enemies. But after they had rest, they did evil again before you, and you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies, so they had dominion over them. Yet when they turned and cried to you, you heard from heaven, and many times you delivered according to your mercies. So have y'all seen how good of a God we have, how good of a heavenly Father he is? The daddy came at it, keeps coming out in God for us when we cry to him. You know, I'm a dad. When my kids cry to me after they've done something wrong, I feel horrible. I want to fix it. So let's continue. And you warned them in order to turn them back to your law, yet they act presumptuously and did not obey your commandments, but sinned against your rules, which if a person does them, he shall live by them. They turned a stubborn shoulder and stiffened their neck and would not obey. See? Modern America right here. Stiff neck, we will not obey God's rules. Many years you bore with them and warned them by your spirit through your prophets. Yet they would not give ear. 
Therefore you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the lands. Nevertheless, in your great mercies, you did not make an end of them or forsake them, for you are a gracious and merciful God. So God didn't wipe them out. That's huge, because he kept his promise. He keeps his covenant, unlike us, who break his covenant. He keeps it every time. Remember that. So let's continue with our reading right here. Now therefore our God, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who keeps the covenant and steadfast love, let not all the hardship seem little to you that has come upon us, upon our kings, our princes, our priests, our prophets, our fathers, and all your people since the time of the kings of Assyria until this day. So they recognized the other ten tribes being taken by Assyria. Yet you have been righteous in all that has come upon you, us, for you have dealt faithfully and we have acted wickedly. Our kings, our princes, our fathers have not kept your law or paid attention to your commandments and your warnings that you gave them, even in their own kingdom and amid your great goodness that you gave them, and in the large and rich land that you set before them, they did not serve you or turn from their wicked works. So they recognized, hey, they never wanted to do the right thing before. Behold, we are slaves this day in the land that you gave to our fathers, to enjoy its fruits and its good gifts, behold, we are slaves. And its rich yield goes to the kings whom you have set over us because of our sins. They rule over our bodies and over our livestock as they please, and we are in great distress. Because of this, we make a firm covenant in writing. On the sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. This chapter right here is exactly where the United States needs to be. This is where we need to be. We're about a million miles away from this point right now. We are going the complete opposite direction. We need to be where we are repenting of our past. We need to be repenting of abortion, same-sex marriage, lying, stealing, cheating, everything we've done. All this wickedness we've allowed, we need to repent of it. Not upholding the promises that our forefathers made to you when they found this nation, we need to repent of all of it. And we need to go back to, to those promises that we made, the covenant that was made between you and our forefathers in the United States Constitution. That's, yes, Nehemiah chapter 9 is the perfect picture of where we need to be. We're not there yet. We need to wake people up so we can get there. It's going to be a long, difficult road. It's not one for the weak-minded. We have to be strong in this. Got to be tough in it. Because tough love is at the point we are at. No more being mamby-pamby. Oh, come to church with us. No, we have to be in their face at this point. And let them know the gospel of Jesus. And that it's time for us to repent of our evil, sinful ways. If you don't agree with that, then I'm sorry. But the way this world is going, whenever our government is more interested in getting sodomite employees in the CIA and other departments, instead of taking care of us, and they're more, it's more important for them to go 
and make a deal with Iran to destroy Israel, then yes, there's something that has to change. Something big from top to bottom in the entire country. Because we're standing by and we're saying that's okay. It's not okay. When we live in a country where it's okay to steal an election, to just straight up jacket. And over half the country says, oh, don't look into it, just deal with it. We have a problem. It's time for us to repent. It's time for us to be honest and go with what God is telling us to go with. To do as God commands us to. So, yes, this is the point we need to be at. I don't know how we get there. I know I'm going to keep preaching the word of God. I'm going to keep helping people so their eyes are opened up. Because as it says... They will know the, the true Israelites or the true people of God by their actions, by the way they treat people. So let's treat people right. Let's treat them with honor and respect, but let them know that Jesus Christ died for our sins and that we want them to go to heaven with us. You know, as I was working today, a song came on, my MP3 player in the work van, work truck from Jimmy Wayne. And it reminded me of everything all over again. So that song was, I love you this much. And it got me almost to tears. Because it's just a good reminder for us. And it's something, maybe we should just play that for some people. Just play it. So that we can get back and we can repent. So hopefully you enjoy this episode today. We'll get into some good news. That was Nehemiah chapter 9, the repentance of the nation of Israel, or Judah. So, let's get into some good news, and then we'll wrap this thing up, y'all. We will do this one news story, and then we'll wrap it up for the night, because this is a pretty good one. Ten-year-old boy who used to be homeless becomes national chess master. Now, this is pretty awesome. When Tana, um, excuse me if I say the word, I'll just call them by what they, they, want, they have in parentheses. Tani Adawumi first learned about chess. He was in a very difficult time of life. Just eight years old, he and his family, family were forced to flee Nigeria for fear of religious persecution. They ended up in New York in a homeless shelter. It was then when Tani started attending school that someone noticed he had a penchant for chess. Just weeks after learning the game, Tani was doing very well. So well that Sean Martinez, the school's chess coach, approached Tani's family to see if he could join the chess program. Man, I would have loved to have a chess program in school. I liked playing chess growing up against my dad. That would have been awesome. They had no extra money for the extracurricular, but the fees were waived according to USA Today. The way forward was opened up to the young boy and he was able to get free lessons, was gifted a chess clock, and used his dad's computer to play online. Tani started to compete and he started to win. So this story keeps getting better and better, doesn't it? Realizing their son had a potential but that they didn't have the means to foster that potential, Tani's parents started a GoFundMe for their son. The public responded very positively, donating a total of over $250,000. Tani's life was changed in 24 hours. An update on the fundraiser read, Generous donors and supporters came together outside of GoFundMe and provided us with housing, 
legal and educational resources we needed. As of May 1st, at 10 years and 8 months old, Tani achieved the rank of National Chess Master just three years after learning to play. I was very happy that I won and I got the title, he said, according to NPR. I really love that I finally got it. He's far from the youngest chess master. He comes in at number 28, but he's set his sights on a new goal, to become the world's youngest grand master. He said he might just do it. At the moment, the bearer of that title is Sergei Karjakin, who became a grandmaster at 12 years and 7 months old. So Tani has a little bit of time to make that goal. The boy says he practices every day for about 10 hours a day after school. He's both aggressive and calm in his style. According to updates on the GoFundMe page, Tani has lessons with a grandmaster coach several times a week. In a normal position, I can do up to 20 moves in advance, he said to NPR. I guess Hiraku Nakamura is my favorite person I've ever played. He's a grandmaster, a very strong one. He's on the top of the rankings. Tani has a positive way of looking at the games. He doesn't win, focusing instead on what he's learned than the mere fact that he's lost. That's awesome. He's looking. He's learning how to defeat the, those tactics. I say to myself I, that I never lose, that I only learn, he said. Because when you lose, you have to make a mistake to lose that game. So you learn from that mistake, and you so you learn overall. So losing is the way of winning for yourself. Great outlook, too. He learns from the mistake he made, and he makes an adjustment. So, y'all, that's all we got for tonight. Hopefully you all enjoyed Nehemiah Chapter 9 and that one little good news story. We love seeing bad situations turn good. So, y'all enjoy. Have a great day. God bless. And remember to hit like and subscribe if you enjoyed the show.